What is up, Big Talk Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Talk Podcast with Chris and Greg. This is Chris. This is Greg. And this is Warrant. Greg's favorite. It's about damn time, man. You know how long I've been trying to get Chris to do Warrant? Believe me, we're in the 90s episode and he finally pulled it out. So thank you, Chris. I've been dying to do this. Dying. You're welcome. <laughs> like I have a choice. <laughs> it's a democracy over here. Yeah. It's a democracy. Chris rules and then I get to say things. That's what it says. Yeah. That's what it's like. It's like I just take my hand and go. <laughs> I move. <laughs> Greg's mouth. Yeah, I know. That doesn't happen. That doesn't nah. happen. That's what uh, we've made. Yeah. 32 pennies. Can we get back? Oh, yeah. 32 pennies, huh? <laughs> Can we get back to warrant, dude? Yeah. Hold on one second. Uh, at Big Talk, CG.podcast on TikTok and Instagram. BigTalkCG at gmail.com. At BigTalkCG on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Just search the Big Talk Podcast with Chris and Greg. That's Greg with one in the front, two in the back. Baby, let's Yay. get it. Let's talk about Warrant. Let's talk about their debut album. Dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking, rich. Okay, Vince McMahon. <laughs> rich. <laughs> uh, this is a leadoff track, 32 Pennies. Great leadoff track, man. Uh, Love it. You know, kind of a, you know, to me, a us against the world kind of a story. Two people in love with no money and the only thing, you know, yeah, they love exactly each other it enough. Is, man. Uh, it's not quite on the level of like a living on a prayer, but it's kind of like a light version of that where it's two people that are, you know, love each other and, and uh, doesn't matter if they're rich or not. We're going to uh, do our best to make it and, you know, find a way out of poverty. Yeah, I, I like that, Chris. I like that. Good. So, yes, in the club days, which I did see him a few times, this uh, they used to say this. The name of the song was 32 Pennies in a Ragu Jar. Now, on the album, it just says 32 Pennies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes you need to cut a little bit of fat off it. I I don't know if when I say it, I say 32 Pennies in a Ragu Jar. That's what I think of the song as every time oh, I think yeah. of it. Oh, yeah. It's 32 Pennies in a Ragu Jar. Track one, let's go to track two. We're going to let it play. Okay. We should just let this whole album play. And I'm going to talk you, over it. I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going <laughs> to tell you this right now. This album was. I know Greg knows his info, but I was born and raised in Factoid Nation. <laughs> so I will be dealing out the factoids. All right. And Greg will tell me when I'm wrong. So get ready. Because you're probably going to have a lot of stories you're going to tell about these guys. Oh, yeah. You know, talk, that, talk, talk, talk. That's all I'm going to do. They're pretty much like your favorite. Your faves and uh, Janie Lane, Love so on it. and so forth. You'll be able to talk all about that. But let's talk about that. This was released on January 31st, 1989 on the Columbia label. Nice. Um, recorded April through November of uh, 88 at, Enterpr- at the Enterprise Studios in Burbank, California. So there definitely was a bidding war for a warrant. And Columbia came through, man. I, I would have thought Atlanta, Electra, you know, all those big ones. But no, Columbia came through and they, they did it, man. So very happy. And yes, Chris, I did buy it on the first day. I bought a CD. I'm and sure you, you did. You still have it? Yes, I still do. You still have the one? I, I still have the one. There you go. Yeah. 
And I also bought on a cassette. On the same day? No, that was probably used later on. Because I'm crazy. So these guys formed uh, 1984 in Hollywood, California. The first version of this had drummer uh, Max Asher. Adam Shore was the original vocalist. Josh Lewis, Eric Turner were the guitar players. Bassist Chris Vincent, who's re- quickly replaced by Jerry Dixon. Uh, they gigged uh, around California, opening for bands like Hurricane, Ted Nugent, Striper, you know, Black and Blue, among other things, you know. And then you can do, do to open for an act. If you can open up for an act that's bigger than you, you're going to get to a bigger audience. You yeah, know what definitely. I mean? Uh, Shore Natch- Asher quit the band in 86 to form a band called Hot Wheels. Uh, God, what a stupid name for a band. Hot Wheels. I did see that band, too. Oh, you saw that band? I saw that band, and too. And how were they? Uh, not as good as Warrant. <laughs> not as good as Warrant, baby. I love it, dude. Uh, so then uh, later in the month, Eric Turner was at a gig, a band called Plain Jane. Of course, we know Janie Lane was a singer, and uh, Stephen Sweet was the drummer, so yeah. they both came over replaced the two other members, and um, uh, then Joey Allen uh, came in to replace Lewis, and basically, that's Warrant that's right the there. Classic Warren that's the classic uh, Warrant, and obviously playing on this first album. Uh, and and Jenny Lane was pivotal because man, he came over right away, took over the song songwriting, was the, the the major songwriter for this band. And man, he can write some good songs. Dude. He definitely he has wrote a way. some excellent songs. There's a way bro. about him of, of telling yeah, the story. There's- Definitely storyteller, definitely uh, musician. Um, you know, I think he grew up on AM radio and and the hooks that came along with it, man. Because there's a lot of good stuff that he wrote over the years, man. You know, kind of classic stuff. And before we leave, man, this is the song we haven't said. The song track two, Down Boys, uh, first single from the album. I think it uh, was released April of '89. Um, don't know the chart but i know it was one of them that did kind of mediocre uh, for them but down boys and which i'll know about is that anyone you know for six six yes uh this hit number six. 27 and when i was i was kind of listening to the song i was watching all the videos and i was kind of going through it and watching it and i'll go i want to go where the down boys go and i just started thinking where do down boys go they go down <laughs> <laughs> so that's where they want to go. That's where All they right, I go. can dig it, baby. All right, man, we're gonna go ahead and go on to track three. Greg, tell us about what's track three right here. I don't know what is track three. Is it? Oh, sorry. It's the whole emphasis of us on our podcast, the big talk song. Big talk, love it. Um, I think when. The first carnation of me and Chris talking about we wanted to do a podcast. Uh, we said, what do we want to name it? I think one of us came up with this, like, big talk. With, you, know. you did. You said you came when we were talking about the idea. You said, we're going to call it big talk. There wasn't even a question. There was no argument. Yeah. It was a. Uh, it was just an it was, That's the way it's going to be. And, you know, basically the song is about someone who talks and uh, needs to back up their bullshit and... It was something that me and Chris want to do because we want to talk about rock and roll and music and, you know, uh, fun stuff, pop culture and anything else, more about wrestling and stuff. And, you know, we're here to back it up. So that's what we call it Big Talk for. We're backing it up. 
Yeah. Chris is backing it up. I'm backing it up. Big we talk. We backing up. Big talk ain't nothing but talk unless you're backing it up, baby. There you go. We're backing it up. I love it, dude. Big talk. Track three was also a, a single. Uh, it was the third single. Hit number 93. And I watched this video, too. This video <laughs> starts out. I love it because it's really a performance video. It has that. Entry, uh, you know, in the, uh, the the beginning of the video when they're going into uh, Cashley Guido Buxley's office, who's also <laughs> on the cover of, of the, the album. album. They go into his office and they Jenny Lane gets hooked up to like that electric chair, and then it goes straight to live performance. And I love, dude, I love the live performance videos. They're my favorite. I could watch those all day long. Yeah, and, and then I think I think the guys are doing yeah. yeah, like ninja action, or one is like a sound. Uh, Snake Charmer and shit like that. But good fun stuff, man. We're not lying. No. We we definitely back it up here at Big Talk Podcast. That's right, baby. Ooh, this is that solo. Oh, yeah, I got something to say about that, too. But we'll help wait for a little bit. Oh, the... damn. Look at this guy. Make um, what else you want to say about Big Talk? What's Rambo got to say? You hear him back there? Yeah. Drinking water? Big Talk in the water bowl. Uh... Yeah, um, I love it, dude. It's good stuff right here. They had a demo. Did you know they made a demo for Paisley Park Records? No, I didn't know they, they made This is before this album. Obviously, Paisley Park, uh, a record label owned by Prince. And uh, they also recorded some tracks for A&M Records, but nothing really came of it. There was still a war you, going on. They weren't really signed to anybody. They were trying to figure, like, shop around. Do you have uh, the titles of those? I do not. I do not. Okay. I tried to find it. I got a tidbit for you. Okay. Um, on the next album, I saw Red, um, which is one of the singles, was supposed to be on this album, but it was very close to Janie's heart because it's kind of autobiographical. And, autobiotic, and he kind of didn't want it on this album. And he said he'll save it in, the, in his back pocket for the next one to come, and we'll definitely use it on the next one. So that's why the album took a little longer to come out because the record company wanted on the album. He kind of fought him and said, no, the next one. And they said, okay, fine. But make sure that, you know, you got your hits ready to roll. And they did. So I ain't lying about that. I, I heard a similar story, but different. Okay. Do you want to just go with your version? No, say it. Um, I heard a little bit different story um, that while they were recording this album, he walked in on his best friend and his girlfriend. Correct, that was it. I the inspiration saw red, yeah. for I saw red, but uh, and he had a nervous breakdown. Yes, and he really couldn't do anything, and that delayed the release. Um, I don't, I don't, I didn't find anything about it supposed to be on the album. So I guess that's really where our stories differ. I okay, didn't know so that it was written. Maybe by that the was, time. it was written at the time, or the inspiration. Yeah, something came. like that. But God, what uh, a traumatic experience, right, for uh, a guy that's yeah. thinking he's on top of the world, and I got this record deal, and why in the hell would my girlfriend? want to be with someone else but me and let alone probably your, pretty devastating let alone your best friend yeah right you know right. having done that yeah yeah Let's go track four right here dude sometimes she cries uh, i love it dude you know what this this song reminds me it's definitely a ballad i definitely love it it's it's like remembering your youth i think earlier today me and chris were, were driving around and we were talking to his um his daughter our intern about being a teenager and being in high school and some uh, memorable things. But, you know, Chris asked me, he said, do you remember high school grade? Do you remember this date? And I was kind of like, yeah, I remember them. I remember being Greg. 
but I'm definitely not the Greg. If you went back in mid '80s to today, mm-hmm. you would see two different people. Which you know, I say it's definitely you know I was one person, and then I kind of grew up into be something else. But this song reminds me of remembering past, remembering how you look. Like it's it's kind of like I was young and beautiful and on top of the world at one point in my life, and now you're looking back and thinking what what could have happened why didn't i go down that road why am i still not famous why am i still not beautiful why am i still not where i should where i think i should be maybe riches or something like that so that's why i think sometimes she cries it's kind of like a remembrance of you remembrance when you're mm-hmm. younger that's that was my take on it there you go that was a pretty that that's pretty good i like it mine's a little different um not as complex as yours <laughs> I'm, i just think it's like you know, a broken relationships. I mean, if you look at, okay, so I guess I'm partly influenced by the music video. Looks like it's a lady who's married or whatever, has a kid. Yeah. The man leaves and she doesn't know what to do. And sometimes she cries and she looks like she kind of maybe sleeps around a little bit trying to figure out what the hell's going on in life. And it's kind of funny. Finally, he, you know, they get back together. He writes a letter. She starts like swinging her kid around like all celebratory. And then they're back together. It's kind of like a broken heart. Mended heart. Sometimes she cries. I'm thinking about it. Guitar solo here, dude. I like that, Chris. But you use more visual from. Yeah, I took away from the video. From the video. The video influenced then. my uh, my my philosophy Sweet, on the song. Man. That's not a problem at all. Man. And this was uh, the fourth song released from this uh, uh, album, hit number twenty, released in December of '89. So, so go ahead, go Casey ahead. Kasem's top twenty. Casey Kasem. We're so. listening to Warrant. Sometimes she cries. Was that twenty? Is that supposed to be Casey? <laughs> That's hilarious. That was my off version of him. Um, let's go to the next song. You ready? Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, so damn pretty. Should be against the law. Ooh. What can you say about this? And you know, and I remember them playing this in the clubs too, Chris. Um, and. It was just a rockin' song, definitely sexual. Um, just what more can you think, man? Like the the same title, so damn pretty should be against the law. So sometimes you just these girls are just so damn pretty. I mean, they probably say the same thing about guys. Like the guys are so handsome, blah 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 blah, good looking. But now these guys are just talking about ladies. Oh girls. yeah, dude, definitely a sexual song. Yeah. I mean, especially when you go down and you start reading the lyrics, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's not even they're not even trying to be slick about it. It's pretty nope, straight not up at all, in, in your in your face. Uh, it's a good song. It's a deep cut, dude. So I bet this was a killer song to see when they played in the uh, the clubs. I bet it just rocked the place. Oh heck yeah, man! Um, one thing we haven't talked about that I'm gonna bring up right now is the awesomely amazing performance. You can find it on YouTube right after you go to the Big Talk Podcast with Chris and Greg's YouTube channel and uh, subscribe to that. You need to go and you need to find their live performance at Gazari's. Whoa. Remember that live performance? I believe it was made for the Japanese home video market. And uh, there's some of the songs that end up on this album. So this, I think it's like a, a year before or so in that you know general area before uh, Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinkin' Rich comes out. So some of the songs are there. Like they do Heaven. It's a little different still. Uh, but man, you guys got to go check it out because you can really see them at their their cusp. 
of greatness that will be this album. You can see some of their stuff from the club days and some stuff that never made it onto anything that, uh, you know, some of them are kind of, eh. but you can see the talents there, the stage presence is there. And, uh, yeah. But that, that's the thing. Remember, we, we talked about past albums where you have a lifetime or so to say to make your first album. And then your second album, you got like six months. So sometimes these songs bubble or are in your uh, mind for, you know, five, 10, 15 years. And you get it going. And then sometimes you pull it out and it's just not the same thing. And then when you go to the studio, you know, the producer goes, oh, let me tweak this. Let me do that. Oh, get rid of this song. Oh, this this isn't working. This song works better. You know, you can go in with 20 songs and, hey, mm-hmm. top 10 make it the album. That kind of stuff. Yeah. But this is definitely one of those songs that was kick-ass. I love it. Uh, high energy. Um, I love it, man. I can't really explain a lot how I feel about this song, you know? You just love it. Yeah. You ready to go? Uh, no. Okay. But bring me the next song. All right. Title track. Title track number six. DRFSR, Dirty Rotten Filthy Stinking Rich. You know what? I was surprised that this is not the lead track. Usually the title of the album is kind of like the lead track. Yeah. Um, But maybe these guys had a rhythm and uh, the producer had a, the record company maybe said we wanted to place it this a certain way. The flow of the album and, you know, kind of go from there. So I like 32 Pennies. As yeah. the lead off track. I, I can't tell you that um, they did wrong because I fell in love with the album the way they presented it. So, yeah. Nowadays, I, I whenever I hear the album, I throw mix, like, you know, on my Spotify or, you know, Apple. I throw it mixed because I know all the songs already. Mm-hmm. It's not like when I'm first hearing the album. Now, let me hear how you guys wanted to have it. Blah, 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 blah. They pick the songs I want, blah, 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 and then kind of go back and forth. But, nah, this was it. And this was... A great song in the sense of it's, um, you know, talking about money. Mm-hmm. Talking about, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to find a way. Same thing with 32 Pennies. And we want to be, you know, dirty. And we want to be rotten. And we want to be filthy, stinking, rich. Love it. That's how Chris is about the podcast, man. He wants to be dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking, uh, I like this little breakdown in the song right here. Do you? You will have more money. Yeah. Or I will have more money than you have ever seen. I love it, dude. It's great. Ever little seen. spoken word thing. Yes. You know what I want to talk about? Bo Hill? Oh, yeah, dude. Bo Hill. Producer <laughs> extraordinaire on this uh, album, dude. You cannot go wrong with Bo Hill touching your, your, your album, dude. He also played some keyboards, too, I, I believe. Almost. Oh, I'm sure he did, man. Um, You know, something else I kind of want to talk about. You know, let's go to the next song. So we can kind of start out here. Um, What do you know about the rumor that Eric Turner and Joey Allen didn't play guitars on the album? Do you know anything about that? It's not a rumor. Okay, so you know the, the, the truth behind that, right? Yeah. That, um, so apparently... And this is kind of newish to me. I had always kind of heard like yeah, something, but to me. I was like, all right, I got to kind of dig into this and see what's up. So apparently Eric Turner and Joey Allen, depends on who you talk to. Some people say they didn't play anything on the album and other people will say, well, they played all the rhythm guitars and stuff. It's just that their solos weren't up to snuff and their soloing guitar playing wasn't where it should be. So Bo Hill, um, 
And in an interview, he said he brought in, I believe the guy's last name is, I think it's Slamer, right? S-L-A-M-E-R. Yeah. Mike Slamer from Streets, the, the band Streets, came in to play on the album, uncredited. He did a lot of the solos, if not all the solos. Played some additional guitar also. But I li- actually listened to the interview yesterday, and it's on a podcast or an no interview way, thing really? called In the Bloom or Full Bloom, In Full Bloom or Full in Bloom. You can find it on YouTube. I want to make sure I give those guys their, their props. And he said that it was all on the up and up. They were very nervous about pro- approaching Eric and Joey about, hey, we need to bring someone else in to do this because it's just your, the solos don't have the it that it needs for this album. We want you guys to be exposed to a bit larger audience, so we need the best product put forward. And they were total class acts about it and said, okay, bring them in. And actually, apparently, he also gave lessons to Eric and Joey on how to play the solo. So when they went out on tour in live, they knew how to play the solos. Uh, I didn't really know all the particulars and all the facts about that. And once you start reading about it, it blows you away on every level. Right? Like the fact that the the other two were like pretty okay with it and didn't throw a fit. If that's the story you hear... I don't know, but it was apparently just out in the open the whole time. Like, everybody knew that it was happening. So, I don't know. When, when the album came out, I don't remember ever hearing anything about that. No. Do you? No. I didn't I didn't ever hear. But now that it's, you know, years later on and you're hearing this, you're like, hey, this is your first album. We, we're having this certain product. You guys, you know, did a bidding war. You got so much money. Do you want to just put out shit record or do you want to pull out something that's a little high quality that you can do? And we will teach you how to, you know, maybe that was the factor too. Hey, we're going to let this guy do the solo on the records. But when you tour, this is, we're going to teach you how to do mm-hmm. this too on stuff like that. That's crazy, dude. Do you know, Chris, this song in the, in the sticks is my least favorite song on this album, but it does have a groove to it. And I, I kind of, it does grow on me, but like I said, if I have to rearrange this, I'll skip it once in a while. But yeah. I do like it. It's just not my favorite. It's okay. For me, it's okay. Yeah, and I don't. I didn't mind you talking over it the whole thing. <laughs> it's good. In the sticks, you know. It's it's all right. You want to run, you want to go to the smash? You want to go to the smash? I do want to go to the smash. Let's go to the smash, baby. Yes, we're gonna talk about. The number two song, the best high, high, high charting song, the highest charting, highest charting song, "Heaven" by Warrant. Beautiful ballad. I love it. I did see it on on in the club days, Chris. They had a an aura. They had an energy about this song, and to me, it knocked it out of the park because you know I love ballads and I'm sure you do um, how many songs are on your ballad playlist I'm or? at over 200 now that's how crazy it is um, and there's more also I think that what I heard was the first 250 albums that released they had a version of it that was the original version and if you bought it after that they kind of re-released it or re-recorded it with some different sounds I think the video was the one that, like, right before they released the video, they kind of redid the video and the sound on that because it sounds a little different. There's a little more 
uh, keyboardish and big feel to it. But this is a great song. This is a great ballad. I believe this song was about two people. The guy uh, or the girl is so much better than the guy. He has to promise her the world so she can still stay with him. And he will do not, whatever it takes to give her heaven in our relationship to mm-hmm. make it work. And it's never too far away. And it's never too far away. Just a quick correction. The first 250,000 copies oh, had okay. the original. And I went and listened to them both yesterday. The album, like original album version, and then like the singles version. And you can definitely hear it's more dynamic. It's like a whole re-recorded version. It's The singing's a little different. There's a little more tremolo in his voice when he's singing, especially to open it up. It's a little bit more pre-chorus. That first chorus, a little bit heavier on the strings, uh, like orchestral strings. Uh, but man, both versions are killer, and this song is killer, and the music video is super killer. White leather will never look the same after seeing right. White's Heaven's music I don't, video. I don't think I've ever told you this, but this was my one of my wedding songs to my first wife. Um, I don't think you'd, you know. I, I don't really talk about her a lot to you, but <laughs> that's the past. But this, uh, this at the moment was there because we got married in 90 and I loved Warren. She went with me to see Warren a few mm-hmm. times. Um, but this song was my song to her. And that, what I forgot, which, oh, she played uh, Keith Sweat. Uh, I forgot what the name of the song was. You know, uh, it was her song to me. Uh, do you know, so this was only went to number two. Yes. Rolling Stones in the mag, their magazine, they have their own charts. They hit number one in Rolling Stones charts, if that's any consolation. I'm sure you, well, I don't know if you know the answer. Do you know the song that kept it out of the number one spot for those two weeks? I want to say Michael Jackson. Incorrect. Do you want me to tell you? Yes. Millie Vanilli. Ah. Girl, I'm going to miss you by <laughs> Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Ah. I'm upset. I think I knew that, but I forgot what Dude, who it was. Millie Vanilli. Remember, Chris, heaven isn't too far away. No, it isn't, man. A great power ballad. One of the best. One of the best, one from, of the, the best. from this decade from 80s metal. Let's go ahead and just, before, let's before let you, just play. We're just going to let it play out. Yeah. We're going to let it play Real out, Real quick baby. tidbit, and we'll add on to the next song, was I read in a magazine once Janie was talking to a couple that uh, fans outside the concert, right? He said the couple told Janie, you know, we heard that song on the radio, and then we kind of got in the car and drove to Vegas and got married. And Jane was like very appreciative on hearing that. So sometimes you get to, sometimes a song can make two people go get married. Well, isn't that like the the greatest thing that a song can do? Yeah, is it can make you think, and it make you dream, and it can make you feel emotions at such a high. Do you act on them and do something like go yes. get married? I mean, that's like the gr- that had to be one of the greatest, the most flattering things anybody's ever told him about a song. Right, it's got to be right up there. Uh, this is track nine, riding high. Uh, same thing, cool, strong, love it. Um, fun song for me, man. You know, I love it. If it was, I'll be honest with you. If it wasn't so high energy, I would be like, eh. But I, you know what I mean? How if it wasn't, if it was yeah. a, a slower tempo, I really am kind of like, okay, but I like the groove of it. 
I like it's a little bit different than some of the other stuff that's on the album. Uh, I love it, dude. It's great. It's great. You know, and what I like about this too, we're going to go on a little bit more, Chris. What I like about this too is all these tracks, all all ten tracks, written by Janie Lane. Mm-hmm. Nobody else in the band. Like he kind of did it, pulled it out of his ass, and and wrote a great song or wrote a great album for the the band that he was in, Warrant. You know, um, one more fun thing that I I love to you know I love to talk about my my youth. Um, the first time I saw Warrant, Chris, was at the Country Club over here in Reseda. Um, and uh, I was at the 10th sold-out show of that uh, Country Club. I think I told you this before on you, one of the past the, episodes. The, yeah, we have but heard the story, but we love was, to hear it again. It was uh, not Chris goes, it was at 10th in a row. And I said, well, in a sense, but it wasn't like they did, you know. 10 start, straight nights. Yeah, 10 straight nights. It was just like. They played two nights in January, two nights in February, a night in March, whatever it added up to be. And this happened to be the 10th show. And it was always sold out. And I happened to get tickets that night, man. It was fucking cool. And that was the first time I saw Warrant in the clubs. And I remember it was just fun, uh, exciting, just crazy shit, man. So that was always one of my favorite things that I claim to fame and uh, about Warrant in the clubs and shit. So like that was that like an 18 years, uh, 18 and over show or yeah, all definitely it was 18. I think it was all ages at the time. You know, country club. That's a that's a big venue. That's, How many people were they fitting in there? I don't know, dude. 500, 600. You know, that's why there was a big bidding war for, uh-huh. for these guys. You know, sold out. No, and you think you sold out? I mean, remember at the country club, Slayer played there, Venom played there, all Armored Saint, all the LA bands just did that kind of stuff. You wanted to you wanted to play here in a metal club in L.A. There's the country club. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is it. Last song on the album. Uh, it's called Cold Sweat. Same thing. Very sexual. Very high energy. Very very fun. Uh, definitely love it, Chris. This is definitely one of my favorite songs. Um, and I like the way how they ended this album on a good note for me. Yeah, I like this song a lot. It's a great closer. I like the way the the chorus goes. It kind of does that little stop. Sweat, you know, during the course, I really like that. Change it up a little bit, give you a little different delivery. Can't say enough. A great closer, even though it, you know it wasn't a hit, or it's a stand. It's not a like a standout track or anything like that. Solid, solid opener. Solid, solid closing track. Solid album from top to bottom. Love it. Uh, Definitely the debut album from Warrant, Dirty Rot, Filthy Stinking Rich. I love it, dude. I don't think I mentioned this, but let me factoid it up real quick. It hit number 10 on the Billboard charts. Nice. Just surprises me a little bit. I mean, even with the success of Heaven, because Heaven was their second release. So I guess maybe that did push it up to two, uh, number 10. And two times platinum. Okay. So two million. And, man, that's all I got to say. Oh, I do got one more thing. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok. At the Big Talk Podcast. (laughs) You can find us on TikTok and Instagram. At the Big Talk. Greg, let me finish this. Quit making faces at me, dude. Jeez Louise. Look at him over there. Son of a bitch. Uh, At BigTalkCG.podcast. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram. BigTalkCG at gmail.com. At BigTalkCG on Twitter. The Big Talk Podcast with Chris and Greg is on YouTube and Facebook. And that's all I got to say about that. Sucker. Good. Put the mic back on me, son of a gun. 
I am super ecstatic, if you can't tell by my excitement, that we finally did warrant dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking, rich. Love it. Uh, favorite album. Um, actually, maybe not a warrant, but still one of my favorites. Uh, love this band to death. Uh, can't say enough. Uh, saw them in the clubs. Saw them in theaters. Saw them headlining. Um, you know, through all that stuff. You know, Chris, I only have one warrant. A t-shirt, and I still have it somewhere buried at my mom's house. I'll find it someday. Maybe on the thousandth episode, I'll pull it there out. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, this is Greg from the Big Talk Podcast with Chris and Greg. Yes, we're finally doing Warrant. Um, see ya! Boop, boop, be doo